Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy enough bread for these people to eat? We pray, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for everything that you provide for us every day. We ask you now to speak to us by your holy word, which is the giver of life, the bringer of life, uh, your voice for our day. Open our hearts, Lord, that we may hear you today and know Jesus better as a result. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, I was wondering uh, what you might do if someone that you knew fairly well or even someone you didn't know very well asked you one day, why do you go to church? Or why do you believe in this Christian stuff and... What's, so, what's the big deal about being a Lutheran person? Or what's the, you know, when it's very unpopular now to be a Christian, why are you? And uh, who's this Jesus fella? And what's so important about him? And why is it so important to you? And why don't you ever use his name in vain like everybody else does? And any of those questions. I wonder if that would happen to you one day. And you had the opportunity to say something, whatever. You just, the moment was there to say, well, well, and, you know, away you'd go. And uh, I wonder what you would do to try and express why you are who you are and why you're here and why you're part of St. Petri and why all your life's journey, uh, for however long it's been for you, all your life or a number of years, why are you proudly able to say I'm a Christian why, why is this one way you could do it maybe and you might like to try it I don't know is that you could refer your friend to someone really great to someone that they think would be really great and then somehow try and help them see that Jesus is even more Maybe that would be a way you'd go about it. You'd say, well, you know, so-and-so. And they'd say, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, he's really, he's great. And then you'd say, well, Jesus is even more. And let me show you as best I can how. That's why I'm who I am and that's why I worship God every Sunday. That's why I gather at my church community. So I was wondering, though, who on earth would you choose to refer them to, to start the conversation about who you are and what your faith is and who Jesus of Nazareth is to you. Um, and I thought, well, maybe if you're a young footy kid, you'd say, you know, Tex Walker or, you know, Ollie Wines and then you'd, you'd move on from there. Or if you're an old muso like me, you'd say, well, you know, Sting... Or Bono from you too, uh, or a few others I could mention, but it'd take too long. Uh, or if you're a um, if you're part of a long-suffering, disenfranchised kind of 
minority group, you might say, well, you know Martin Luther King Jr. Or Nelson Mandela. Well, Jesus is, you know. Or if you're a royal family lover, you might say, you know Queen Elizabeth and beautiful Kate. And then go on from there. If you're an Aussie songster, you might say, you know Slim Dusty. Yes. Or the other guy, Johnny Cash in the States. You know, the man in black. You know, Folsom Prison Blues. Let me tell you about that guy and let me show you how Jesus is even greater than Johnny Cash. How about that? What about for Lutherans who care a little about their heritage, maybe? You never heard of Martin Luther? You know, or Philip Melanchthon? Or for those who are very concerned for poverty and for justice and for self-sacrificing love, you might say... Ever heard of Mother Teresa? Let me tell you how Jesus is even more than her. Is that a way? Might it work? I wonder who you choose. Someone once said that the gospel, all the gospels, all four of them, I don't know if this is working, Tom. Doesn't matter, mate. Someone said that the whole purpose of all the gospels is really to answer, no, is to goad, to prod, with a cattle prod, the hearer, into asking one question from the heart. What would the question be? What do you think? One question, who is Jesus? That's the one question all the gospel writers want to prod you into unpacking. Who is he? And John is doing this very thing in this very well-known account of the feeding of the 5,000. He's doing it. So, here they are on the other side of the sea again. Jesus does that, I think, seven or eight times in the Gospels. He goes over to the other side of the sea. Dangerous Gentile country. Unclean people. Don't go there, Jewish person. Off he goes. So he's over there again. He's up to his old tricks. On the far side of the sea in some deserted place but seems to have a bit of grass around. So I don't know whether it's in the desert or it's some cow paddock, or I don't know where it is, but it's, it's got grass and it's on the other side of the Sea of Galilee and the people are clamouring after the man. That's a fair walk. You can walk around, I don't know, in a day, two days, well, take you all day at least, maybe an overnight stop to walk from Capernaum right around the bottom of the Sea of Galilee or over the top to the other side. That's a fair walk and they do it in their thousands. Can you picture that? It's like a rock concert. It's that many people, maybe 10,000 people, 5,000 men plus. That's a lot of people. And they're out there in this place and there's no Maccas and there's no Hungry Jacks and there's no Subway and there's no Linky's Bakery up the way. So a bit of an issue coming. We're getting ready for what's going to happen. What are they chasing? What do they want from him? What do people want from Jesus? Well, these people want a miracle. That's pretty much how they see him. Miracle worker. Let's go and get a miracle. Maybe he could be a prophet of God. Maybe. So that's where the people are at. So to expand their view and help us and them and us to see that Jesus is so much more than just a mere miracle worker or up at the Lennon Brothers Circus providing magic tricks, you know, John refers to the man. And there's only one man you'd refer to in a Jewish crowd, wouldn't you? There is no other greater man. 
Moses. He is the man. This is his tactic in trying to help people see Jesus is so much more than they think and believe. So this is where he goes. Now, why would you pick Moses? Oh, well, have you got, have you got two hours? Serious. The man is the man, isn't he? In the Bible, in the Old Testament, you know the stories. A man who spoke with God face to face. Now, that's, that's privileged territory, friends. Face to face. Not just at the burning bush, but many, many, many times. Bargaining with God, complaining to God, pleading with God, praising God. Anyway, a man who receives God's personal name, the Yahweh, the Tetragrammaton it's called, the four letters, unpronounceable, unspellable. We just make it Yahweh. That's what we know how to do. Holy, 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 personal name of God, giving Moses unprecedented access to God's voice and presence on things. Moses, the great leader, as that picture says, with his staff raised, leading God's people in their baptism through the Red Sea and on that long desert journey of all kinds of goings-on until the final promised land that was given to Abraham generations before. And the last thing, probably, if he wasn't holding a staff, what else is he normally holding in art? Tablets, Ten Commandments. Moses has given the, the moral law of God, not to mention all the worship things as well, but that's another story. And those Ten Commandments have shaped our humanity ever since, don't you think? The West, Western democracy, is squarely based on the last seven commandments. So, that's the same. Moses, Jesus, Jesus, Moses. But then there's a point of difference. Here's where the, the departure begins, where the more of Jesus starts to ascend. And it's all based on this little tiny conversation with Philip and then Andrew and Jesus. Interesting, you know, Jesus asks the question. Not Philip. Jesus asks the question. We've got probably 10,000 people in a paddock with no shops and it's late. Oh dear. What are we going to do? It's a big, big, big need. Completely impossible. Impossible. The need is overwhelming and we will never be able to meet it. We are in trouble. But Jesus, interestingly, he asked the question, Philip, I don't know why he asked Philip. Anyway, he asked Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? Interesting. Now Moses asked that question too, not more, more than once, didn't he? In the desert, you remember those episodes where he's just about driven to drink. He probably was driven to drink, dear old Moses, when the people grumbling, complaining all the time. Uh, in Numbers eleven thirteen, we say, uh, Moses says to God, where am I going to get meat to give all these people? They come weeping to me and they say, give me meat to eat. Sounds like shed happens. Uh, <laughs> We don't have any vegetables or salad that shit happens. Only meat and bread. Anyway, Moses really did want to know where the food was going to come from. Jesus was going to provide the food and there's the difference. Moses had to ask the Lord to provide 
the huge amount for a huge need that was completely overwhelming him and the people, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. And there's the difference. Moses needed God to provide. Jesus is going to provide. What's the logical conclusion? Jesus is God. And here's where we come in, I reckon. Philip and Andrew, and probably the whole crowd, could only see the problem. They could only see the lack of food and the disaster about to happen. That's what they could see. That's, that was right in front of them, and fair enough. They, couldn't, they could see that they could not supply the need and do the job. They didn't have enough resources to do the job. They could only see their own lack of ability to respond to the great, great, great need. And here's where you come in and me. I wonder whether we, as individuals, in our own circle of people, in our family, in our local church as well, we have the same limited vision of God's awareness of the situation and his ability and his will to supply all we need to do all his bidding in the world. I often tend to see the problems. Problem after problem after problem. Pastor Rob and I sat together for two hours on Friday. We mentioned at least 16 dozen problems. It was good. We didn't have many solutions except, well, Jesus... He's a pretty good solution. But nevertheless, the church has got problems and people have got problems. And don't tell anybody, but I've got problems too. I don't trust that Jesus is more. More than my greatest hero, which truth be told, is often myself. Jesus is much more than my greatest need and much more than your greatest need. And I often respond to the Lord's gracious giving of life and joy and breath and people and friendship and acceptance and community and love day by day by day by doubting that he and they are more than me. More than I can conjure up, more than I can manufacture. I reckon probably half the time that I'm in control of my life and I can fix problems and I am my own answer to my own issues. I have this ongoing tendency to trust only what I see and not what I hear in his word. How about you? Same for you? You need to ask yourself that question. I look at my small basket of life and I see the huge need of our culture, of our own town here, our own area. Just go to the family centre on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday or go to Redeemer Lutheran School and talk to the staff there or go anywhere you like. You'll find the need. There's a plenty of need. So I look at my own life and I see the huge need and the need of you as the flock. And instead of trusting that Jesus is more... Then all of that, I get to work trying even harder to be that more.
which is so silly. So in the end, actually, it's more than silly. It's idol-making and chasing. This is God replacement belief and action. This is me being God. This is our ongoing problem as saints, as holy people of God. We still live with this ability that we have to not trust and to only see the problem and to not know that Jesus is more. Did you hear it? Jesus is more, more than anything, more than anyone. Well, Philip and Andrew, they're not alone. The crowd still don't seem to understand, do they? Not really. Although, they make a bit of a switch, don't they? Because they say, maybe, after this amazing food fest we've just had, maybe he is the prophet, not just a prophet. So they've made a bit of a switch. Maybe he's the man. Maybe there's, maybe this, this Messiah guy, maybe the dots are starting to come together. But then they show a complete lack of understanding of who he is and who his heart is by trying to make him king by force. Now you would do that under one circumstance, don't you think? If Jesus is a magician, if he has magic powers... If he is a divine genie in a bottle who I can pull out at any time and fix all my problems, then I reckon you should tie him up, put him in the back seat of your car this morning and take him home and put him in the cupboard and whenever you've got a problem, you just pull him out of the genie bottle and you say, fix it. And he goes, okay, and he fixes your problem and you put him back and then you live life the way you want. And that's their, fun, that's their, that's their situation. That's our situation. If Jesus is just a miracle worker for our own corporate or private needs meeting fest, then he's not our saviour. He's just a magic man. In fact, like we said a few weeks ago, he's just a divine butler there to meet my every need. I'll just pull him out and with a silver service he'll come along with his white gloves and he'll just pander to all my needs. And then I'll put him back in the cupboard so I can get on with what I really want to do. That's not Christianity, friends. That's not a faith-filled life. That's not an obedient life in the Holy Spirit. That's the old life. Lucky for us, Jesus allows no such thing. He doesn't let him. He doesn't let him take him by force. He escapes back up to the mountain alone to pray, to get in touch again with his heavenly Father. Good move, Jesus. Good move, Lutheran. Good move. He's not just a magic man. He is more. He is more. More, more, more. He is the prophet, the one promised for generations. He is it. He is the greatest mouthpiece of God because he is God with us. Emmanuel, here comes Christmas. He's the life giver. He's the God bringer. He's the hope teller. He's the food that sustains my very breath and my faith, and my marriage, and my parenting, and my friendships with strangers, and my witness bearing with weird words that sometimes make sense and sometimes they don't. He is everything. He's the, the sign, the sign that there's hope for you and me. So just to really nail it down, there's, there's always more with Jesus and it's more than a set of steak knives, you know. There's this little bit at the end 
Moses had to call down the Lord's power to part the sea so the people could walk through. Remember Exodus 14? Jesus doesn't need any of that. What does he do? He walks over the darkness and the chaos and the evil of the sea. He walks all over it. He doesn't need to part it. He just tramples it under his feet. And the disciples are amazed. And so are we. He's that much more. So he feeds people. He heals them. And he doesn't let their lack of understanding stop his relentless compassion. His relentless, his furious longing, as Brennan Manning puts it, for you. Furious longing. So, whoever you are this morning, whatever's going on in your life, he's more. He is more. He is more. He's more than any other person. He's more than you. He's more than anything good or anything bad we experience. He's more than any of your fears or your doubts about what's going on. He's more than your ego. He's more than your despair or your pain or your pride. He's more than your dying. He's more than your loss. He's more than your suffering. He's more than your addiction. He's more than all of your longings put together. He is more. Jesus is more. So today, in earnest, from the heart, my response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth, and I ask him to strengthen you by his Spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth of it. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives. Full in the fullness of God. God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit, deeply and gently within you. Glory to God in the church, I say. Glory to God and his Messiah, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus. Glory down this generation X, generation Y, generation Z and generation A. I guess we'll start again. Glory through all the millennia to come in his name. In the name of Christ. Amen. for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, Nuriutpa, Barossa Valley, South Australia. stpetri.org.au